If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to the Unsung Podcast, where we talk about albums that we think are unsung classics, and then you guys tell us if you're right or wrong. This is the Unsung Podcast. episode 68 of the Unsung Podcast. On last week's episode we were discussing Simple Math by Manchester Orchestra and the public decided that this record does indeed make it into our discography so thank you very much to everybody who listened and everybody who voted. On this week's episode we are talking about Terrifier by Pig Destroyer. Enjoy. You're listening to the Unsung Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Fraser, and I'm joined by two men, one of which actually likes destroying pigs and the other one is fundamentally against the hurting them. Uh, yeah. Can we um, just get promotion more to the point? <laughs> he's one of the hosts now. One of the hosts, I know. I think that's the first time we've been equal. The, you, the last time I said that, you guys took a piss out of me and I stopped saying that, but I'm saying that again, so oh, fuck really? you both. I. No, I like you being the host. I like being the guest because <laughs> then I don't have to have any responsibility. To my right is uh, Glasgow's on uh, Pog Destroyer. Uh, he was a fan of the the little Walker spinners instead that had the the Star Trek. Uh, no, the Star Wars Tazos. Tazos, yeah, he, Tazos. Was, he was a Tazo man. Uh, so he every time he found a Pog, he would set fire to it. As uh, Mr. Chris Kusek. Uh to my left with. Some of the most regular bills you're ever likely to meet <laughs> is Glasgow's own fig destroyer, <laughs> David Weaver. Yeah, you can't get away from that. Do you like I also figs? love dates. And dates. Hey, yeah. doesn't like a nice date. Hey-o. So uh, <laughs> what are we doing this week? Uh, we've kind of hinted at it, you know, it's in the episode title, but... Oh yeah, David, that's true. So it, David, if you, if you want to tell us... a hint if it's in the episode title. <laughs> so... Uh, I think Chris really wanted this record as well, but I'm very, very yeah. happy to introduce it. Uh, we're doing uh, Terrifier by Pig Destroyer. <laughs> 
so yeah, Pig Destroyer, I think, are... Guaranteed the sample that I just edited and made at least half the audience switch off. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 was going to, I was going to start off with the caveat of saying Grindcore, which we're going to talk about in this episode, is some of the most caustic and intense music you're ever likely to hear. And we know that you guys like listening to us drone on about fucking shite for, for so long. And if you can get into Grindcore, then don't be alarmed because I think that's kind of the way it is for everyone when they first hear it. Nah, you know what? There's so many genres of extreme music. Some of us are already into them, some of us aren't, right? But see if you're one of those people that hears certain kinds of music, and like me, even when I was younger, and you're like, fuck, that just sounds like noise. It's actually fun to pick apart and sort of engage with that subculture and start to develop a wee bit of a taste for it. Doesn't mean it's something that you're going to listen to a lot, but it's kind of great, you know, to surprise somebody if they bring it up in conversation and you're like, shit, I know about that. There you go. So these kind of episodes, even if you may hate the tunes, you'll probably have a little bit of fun getting familiarised with some of the extremities of these genres that you probably never encounter otherwise. To that end, we'll do like a little very quick segment because actually, you know, Greencore is actually really interesting uh, and we could probably do a special on it at some point. Um, But we'll do a little segment just to kind of tell you a little bit about where it came from later on. But Pig Destroyer are not one of the original Greencore bands. Greencore was like a a mid-80s thing really. Uh, but they are probably one of the best contemporary grindcore bands. And God damn, they're really extreme. Like even just for the sick thrills of putting on something that scares people, they're brilliant. Uh, if you want to clear a room, or yeah, end the DJ set. Or- <laughs> I did. I actually did it uh, last month. I put on uh, one of the. It's actually it's from the new album. I put on Mount Kill. That's such a good song. Uh, Uh, from the new record Mount Skull Mount, Mount, Mount Skull, Skull sorry yeah, yeah. and like the, everybody everybody that had been uh, dancing and like it was a f- fairly busy night and I was like no it's three o'clock I want to truly go home right now <laughs> so I put this one minute and 35 seconds on and this guy uh, came over after and he was like I know what you're doing I don't like it but I appreciate it because <laughs> uh, it just completely cleared the dance floor. Um, well, see, that might but be- it's the so, I so but apart from like four people just headbanging into absolute fuck. That exact quote, I know what you're doing. I don't like it, but I appreciate it. May well apply to most of our listeners when it comes to green courses. Yeah. Like, I don't think you're going to enjoy it really. It's pretty niche, but there's a lot of interesting stuff around it. Um, it so might be I- also good to front load this a little bit by saying, We've done some extreme stuff before, like most notably black metal, right? Which a lot of people listen to, and I'm pretty sure most people don't don't really enjoy the music that much. Um, those guys look like metalheads. Pick Destroyer look like the most fucking normal guys on earth. Like they are not at all anything like you would imagine them to look. Well, I mean, music. He, Scott Hall's pretty ripped. Yeah, he's also he's a fucking he's a he's computer, computer scientist. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's I like think, the most normal guy ever. Yeah, I mean, they're one of those bands, a bit like Dillinger Escape Plan and Converge, that that play in these really heavy scenes, but look like normal people and that's kind of cool and mm-hmm. there was a big there was a big thing of that for a while mm-hmm. as well where like botch as well and even mastodon to some extent you know it was like stepping away from some of the kind of tropey stuff yeah and making the metal seem a little bit less corny yeah funnily enough you know we're trying to like give you an insight into the kind of shit we watch and listen to during our week it's kind of a green core themed last seven days because david and mark you guys went to see daughters mm-hmm. who did. certainly early on 
we're kind of seen as being like a bit like hipster grindcore. Yeah. They're not really grindcore. They're much artier and weirder than that. But yeah, but there's, there's certainly bands that took influence from grindcore and then added it to a lot of yeah. noise and a lot of art rock and, and stuff like that. They're a good example of that, absolutely. Yeah, like them and, and Albatross. Uh, is it an Albatross? An Albatross, and yeah. The Locust and mm-hmm. stuff like that, yeah. Um, how was the show? It was very good. The show was really good. Yeah, it was at a very, very sold out art school. And I mean, it was their first show in Glasgow for 12 years, I think. Mm-hmm. They're quite different now. Uh, yeah, much away. slower. They've obviously been listening to a lot of like Swans and Nick Cave and yeah, stuff. Birthday party. Mm. Um, but it was, it was great. Uh, I think we caught them on, I mean, they're famously, oh, what would be the word? Uh, combustible Frank, bands. Frances. Yeah. yeah. Frances, yeah. And we've, we, I think we caught them on a night when they had maybe fallen out with each other and the singer did not want to be there. Yeah. The and chair. he even apologised halfway through and said, I'm, I'm really sorry you have to see this. You deserve but, better than this. Yeah, you deserve better than this. But <laughs> like, what weird. they did do was play a really, really solid set of like dark, heavy music. They're not the band 15 years ago who would play sweaty basements and mm-hmm. be covered in blood. Yeah. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought they were really, really good as well. Uh, and, and actually, I thought he was just, the singer was just being like really intense and aloof. You know, the way that some some front men can be, but no, it just turned out he didn't want to be there. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's it wasn't an act; he yeah. just was miserable. A particular treat for me was watching you guys message back and forward on the group text, <laughs> try to find each other, find each other in the venue <laughs> while I'm unable to go to the show. Yeah, <laughs> like, sorry about that. Thanks, guys. Uh, but on the flip of that, though, I'm going to see a Spanish band called KLS tonight. Who are sort of arty greencore as well, but bit of noise rock. Actually, not a million miles away from Daughters, but a bit more, maybe extreme. Um, like to play in the middle of the floor with the crowd around them. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty fantastic band. Should be pretty uh, good. Got, I've got one of their vinyls down there. Uh, they also have some of the best covers going. Very old school. Um, yeah, so it's been a grindy week. It's been a, it's been a sunny week in Glasgow. It doesn't happen very often, very and everybody's useless. I know we had our uh, we had our Easter weekend, and everybody was drunk for five days. Yeah, so. it's like people are just wasted yep. by nine pm. Like the the clubs are all empty because everybody's passed out halfway down the street. It's I mean we're really not used to it. And by the way, sunny for Glasgow is between twenty two and twenty four degrees, which is like jacket weather for Spain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was talking. There was a, a grandma work from Australia, and, and she was like. Is this it? <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, we were like we came, everybody came in on Tuesday, and like like three of the lasses that I work with were like red, they'd been totally fucking sunburned. Amazing. And she yeah. was she was like she just looked the exact same, and she's like like this is like my winter. In <laughs> fairness, though, all of her ancestors were criminals. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so don't let her talk down to you, Mark. I wouldn't because, uh, like, like Scots, she knows what it's like to be oppressed by the English. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a big day. It's a big day for that. Uh, Nicholas Sturgeon making uh, making some noises about another referendum we can lose. The day after um, St George's Day, interestingly, and Brexit's and Halloween. It's all lining up perfectly. Uh, so, how did you? What was your first uh, foray into grindcore then, Chris? Uh, my first actual foray into grindcore was probably Pig Destroyer. Uh-huh. Uh, I didn't really warm to the genre early on. 
but I heard this album when it came out in 2004 and it something about it uh, really captured my imagination. I think uh, I liked the vocal approach a bit better. It took me a while to get used to the... Took me a while to get into that. That's pretty, that's kind of an acquired taste. Absolutely. And you have to suspend your disbelief a little bit to really enjoy it. Um, but I kind of worked backwards. I got into this, I got into, yeah, some of the more arty stuff or hipster grindcore, uh, including stuff like Locust, who I saw at King Tuts in Glasgow, and they were sensational. <laughs> Um, and then from that into more of the conventional stuff, started going into like, listening to a little bit of Napalm Death. We actually, we have an interview coming up next week, which we'll tell you more about at the end of it. But he uh, grew up just in the, about a street away from where Napalm Death recorded from enslavement to obliteration. And scum, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's even more grindy this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I kind of worked backwards and then just started to... A lot of, like, before we set up here, we were listening to a band called Silent Green, who are not greencore per se, but they're one of many, many, many bands that have adopted many of the features of greencore, especially the blast beat. Yeah, uh, the blast beat was uh, really Mick Harris's uh, innovation, and then which is something we've seen, you know, go through a lot all of metal, the metal, all of the metal. Know, it's, uh, it's, it's a key part of black it's, metal. It's a yeah, key part you, of a lot of, of everything. Really. Yeah, you probably won't even consider that it didn't exist at one point. That yeah. it was just suddenly this lunatic from Birmingham started doing it, and people were like, "Whoa." That's fast. And then so other people fast. took up the, the 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 challenge and started perfecting it. It's very uh, it's very it's very physically difficult to do as well. Physiologically, it's hard to do. And I think though you can hear in the technique the stress that it puts on the body to do it, mm-hmm. and it 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 does contribute to the music because even just your your brain hearing that is like holy shit. That's like every limb yeah. hitting a drum at once. The speed of a drum roll for other bands and that does contribute subconsciously to your sense of oh my god this music's exhausting yeah and, and that's why we'll maybe i'll talk about this later in terms of like pig destroyer themselves but that's what i appreciate about certain bands particularly in grindcore compared to maybe death metal is that it's it's got an energy and it sounds like they are at the edge of like they are incredibly technically proficient but even then they're right at the edge of what they can do whereas you know quite a lot of the time you'll hear some you know very complicated very heavy death metal but it's also it also sounds like you know they're sitting down in a studio playing it just going through the motions and that's what grindcore and especially pig destroyer really have is like you know it sounds like they're definitely standing up in the studio (laughs) going as fast as they physically can i think a lot of people like you said warmed to grindcore from like early is death metal mm-hmm. uh, because they wanted something even more extreme, as you say, because there was sometimes, I mean, death metal can be pretty full on, but grindcore is just another, 
another notch up. Yeah. Mark, you had heard a bunch of grindcore stuff, but somehow missed Pig Destroyer. So I, I always found uh, Napalm Death and stuff like that to be really, really difficult to get into when I was younger. Is that because their songs are sometimes four seconds long? That's actually, I love stuff that's really fast, so no. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, yeah. li- like I'll, I'll put, is it dead? It's a whole thing. I'll, I'll, you, you Suffer you is suffer, uh, I'll, I'll the put, shortest song ever recorded. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put on the, the single You Suffer <laughs> in this space here. That there was it. Uh, and you didn't even need to edit that space yeah I mean usually 15 second samples I could play that song many 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 times yeah but um, I I found it to be too much although I'm a punk and I really like hardcore punk and I kind of grew up listening to that and and the the knots I guess the kind of metal that I really enjoyed was stuff like metalcore like Killswitch Engage and all that which ended up going off in a kind of weird power metal-ish direction which I would didn't really which I kind of fell out with it and I kept getting more and more into hardcore as I got more into hardcore I started to find more kind of cross-punk bands and that kind of primed me for liking things like Converge who I then later got into and I said in the Converge episode that they weren't one of the I, would, didn't, I never used to like them but I think Crust is a really good uh, midway point between like the probably on the more hardcore side of grindcore as mm-hmm. opposed to the more metal side of grindcore I'd say yeah maybe we could just do this brief history and then well yeah yeah, yeah. yeah certainly so like, like Mark's touched on a lot of it there like Grindcore uh, as opposed to probably it's mortal enemy black metal uh, Grindcore came out of punk really instead of black metal which is obviously descendant of the metallic kind of tropey stuff that we spoke about like Venom and things like that uh, so in the mid 80s the hardcore punk scene was getting harder and harder and harder in terms of the execution of the music people were getting better there were loads of bands uh, kind of pushed the boundaries there, bands like DRI, things like that, uh, Discharge. Bands that love the metal as well. You know, yeah, yeah, were... yeah, absolutely. So there were things kicking about like crust punk. The crust punk still sometimes sounds like grindcore. I used to go and see a lot of crust stuff at the 13th Note in Glasgow, which was pretty famous for that on the tour circuit. Some of those bands, by the way, just don't have homes. They just tour yeah. 340 days a year, have a few days off to get drunk in a park. And that is their lifestyle. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And Grindcore does owe quite a lot to that. Those those bands have a lot of time for b- groups like Napalm Death and stuff. And I think an interesting consequence of it coming from punk, especially in the 80s in the UK, is that Grindcore is traditionally quite ideologically aligned with the left wing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's quite liberal in its stances and things. It's quite politically charged in terms of human rights, uh, you know, anti globalization in some senses lots of things about government corruption like like there's a lot of that a lot of anti-war sentiment in it uh which again is quite diametrically opposed to a lot of the attitudes in black metal which yeah. was quite notoriously right-wing as we covered the previous episode but yeah so hardcore things like power violence as well which was another evolution in terms of the extremity of punk rock at the time But at the same time, as Dave mentioned, there was thrash metal, there was speed metal, there was death metal, which were also really fucking out there. Mm-hmm. And it was inevitable that there was going to come a point where these things overlapped. I think um, thrash is really interesting because thrash came from hardcore punk because of all these people that really like the misfits also like Judas Priest and then put them both together to create thrash. But then like grindcore comes out of thrash and hardcore kind of being joined together almost. It's, I think it's a really, it's really incestuous and weird the way it worked, I think. Mm-hmm. The 
early kind of precursors of grindcore. There's a band called Repulsion who had an album called Horrified, which I think is general. I, I, th- I don't think it counts as grindcore in the same way as I don't think necessarily early Napalm Death counted as grindcore because grindcore didn't exist until these guys sort of help this thing consolidate around them. Uh, but that is seen in retrospect as being a really, really significant record in the evolution of that genre. Uh, there's a band called Siege, um, who never really left New England, but yet have this massive role to play uh, in terms of the influence they brought to bear, especially in the members of Napalm Death, and their dedication to pushing for faster and faster and faster. And So Siege is a name you see coming up a lot, despite the fact that the footprint of the band literally is confined within their home state. Um, like I said, Discharge were a big influence. There's a band called Amoebics. And there was also a quite a big influence coming from uh, like Sweden at the time, the D-beat scene. Uh, Discore, as they call it, um, kind of built around drum beats, which you can hear happening in some of the Motorhead stuff early on. So there are loads of different elements in that mix. It's not strictly a punk thing but the attitude did seem to evolve from the punk scene, hence that sort of left-wing slant. When you look at some of the earlier albums, uh, or, or some of the more prominent bands as well, Napalm Death, Scum and Enslavement to Obliteration, those two records have a lot of political content in them. Uh, Terrorizer, mm-hmm. uh, the album World Downfall, even just the cover art is extremely political, uh, let alone the subject matter. Brutal Truth, um, Extreme Conditions Demand Extreme Responses uh, is a very political record, uh, as are a number of theirs, including a really excellent, slightly later one called Sounds of the Animal Kingdom as well. So this is... It was a big feature at the time. I think it's why a lot of people are still kindly disposed to Grindcore. It's it's having a bit of a resurgence amongst a kind of younger generation of musicians. I know there's a few bands in Glasgow who are just breaking out their early 20s that are doing some really, really good takes on Grindcore, albeit with a slightly more modern slant. Um, but they're clearly drawn to it somewhat by its politics as well as its extremity. Uh, as we said, with black metal, that can quite often work the other way. Where you want to like it, but you feel you have this slight guilty thing going on. Uh, it was funny when we were doing the black metal research how many times they shit on Napalm Death because they fucking hate them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely hate them. Uh, there's a record label from England called Eric, uh, started by a guy called Digby Pearson, yep. um, which has become... Uh, legendary. Uh, legendary, mm-hmm. yeah, but its first ever full release was uh, Napalm Death. That's first ever album release, that is. And, you know, at the time... The music, some people didn't know whether to take it seriously or not. Uh, when Mick Harris, the drummer from Napalm Death, started doing blast beats, people were like, is this a fucking joke? What even is this? Yeah, what is this? This is ridiculous. Uh, and then Pearson really liked it, 
put his weight behind it, uh, as did another very, very prominent figure in the British music scene, John Peel, who picked up on Napalm Death early on and played a huge part in bringing them to the masses. Um, John Peel's featured them in the show. There's Peel sessions that are really, really good. There's quite a few songs, but they've grouped them together in bunches of two or three at a time. And here are the first three. The last of them is called Dead. The one in the middle is called Prison Without Walls. And we start with The Kill. And then after that, they started getting, I think they were on the front of NME. Yep. That's they right. were like on like Channel 4 shows like The Word and stuff like that. There was an undeniable novelty value to them. Yeah, absolutely. For also, the mainstream, people were like, ha look at this, this is mental. But then for a lot of people, they were like, oh, yeah, no, this is actually really yeah, credible absolutely. and progressive and yeah. weird. Uh, there's a film called Slave to the Grind, which you can't get stream online, but you can buy the DVD from the, 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 the gent that made it. I mean, there's a couple of other Grinker documentaries, but this one's particularly high high production values. And that kind of goes into this in a little bit more detail, including interviews with so many good figures from the scene. As I say, you can get a DVD from the director uh, via his website, and it's really worth watching if this captures your imagination. Plus, it's in this sort of spirit of punk, it's good to just buy merch from the band, so to speak, and mm-hmm. get that directly from him but you can find uh, various things on YouTube as well if you want to catch up in the history of it an interesting aspect to Grindcore which is already a subgenre and much like Black Metal has its own subgenres so not dwelling on them too long the ones we're doing today Pig Destroyer tend to fall under Death Grind because they've got death metal elements uh, in amongst the Grindcore and the Blast Beats especially I mean you mentioned their most recent album actually uh, We'll get to I don't like the most recent album. It, it veers much more towards metal, uh, which they've been doing really for the last three records, I think. That isn't the stuff about them that I like, albeit it seems to have been received pretty well and there's definitely some killer riffs on it. Uh, another band that are quite well regarded who are considered generally considered death grind are cattle decapitation. Also, really political band and another fucking intense name. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so I mean, cattle decapitation are hardcore vegans, and pig destroyer are hardcore. They don't like the police, so yeah. it's not it's not all farmyard violence. In fact, none of them are. That's right. Uh, yeah, promoting I mean, farmyard violence in any way. It was originally going to be a cop destroyer, or cop killers, cop killers. Yeah. yeah. We felt it was a bit too on the nose. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wonder why. <laughs> I forgot to fucking say, by the way, I fucking hate that shit. I hate that anti-cop fucking glib bullshit. You uh, just haven't had a parking ticket recently. <laughs> fuck's that got to do with the cops? I've had speeding tickets. Yeah, no, I'm joking. And the traffic, even the, the beat cops hate the traffic cops, right? Because they give them a bad fucking rep. But guaranteed, somebody robs your house, the first person you're phoning is the cops. The first person a punk is phoning is the cops. Something bad happens, you're phoning the cops. And you can badmouth them all you yeah, want. Yeah, but you've never been oppressed by the oh, tools off. of the state, Chris. Fuck off. Agents of the I've, fascist I've state, oppressed, Chris. I've been oppressed by my fellow man oppressing me over the head with a bottle and I phoned the cops. People are total hypocrites about the police. <laughs> I hate that shit, man. I hate that shit. Anyway, uh, as I mentioned there, uh, there's there's stuff like power violence is kind of parallel to Grinker, albeit not the same. And uh, awesome. 
and awesome, as Mark says. <laughs> uh, Man is the Bastard, the Californian band are a, a good example of that. Nails. Ca- the Californian? Nails. Are Man is the Bastard, California? I think so, yeah. Right. Nails are probably the best example of power violence right now. Nails. Who are pretty modern. They have elements of grind in them, but yeah. they don't generally get considered it. Uh, there's electro grind, which is something, or cyber grind. Yeah, like I Genghis, can Genghis Tron. Sort Genghis of thing. Tron are a good example. As are Berserker, the Berserker. Who I believe at one point had the fastest, the world record for the fastest human drumming. Yeah, fastest drummer. Yeah. I mean, he was triggered to fuck, but like he actually, like, yeah, but he played it. Was, it. Yeah, but it, it was, was played. very fast. And he also wears some killer masks. Yeah. And I remember I got, I, I think it was in a Metal Hammer or Terrorizer CD ROM and it included a Berserker MP4 uh, QuickTime video. <laughs> and it was, it was just like pictures of them dressed up as monsters playing in a quarry. And then just images of like injuries. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like 14. I was like, my God, what is this? Which is brilliant. It brings <laughs> it, that brings us to gore grind, which yep. is grind core with an emphasis on the gore. And the absolute granddaddies of this are Carcass. Carcass yeah. were peers of Napalm Death, whose sound has changed significantly since. Reek of Putrefaction is super famous. As, a, as are symphonies of sickness uh, but Recomputrefaction the cover art the surgery the dead bodies the the, the collage of just disgusting imagery uh, we, we made them quite notorious in and of itself the recording is fucking disgusting as well yeah. it's so bad another um, band that are sort of uh, gore grind death grind are um, that need to be mentioned are Mortician Yeah, you are truly majestic as well. <laughs> uh, this this is Mortician were one of the first grindcore bands I ever heard because it was all on a relapse contaminated sampler CD. I remember that one. Yeah. And yeah, and it had uh, Mortician it's got on it as well. Yeah, exactly. Some amazing stuff on it, and Mortician just sounded like all music, but tuned down about <laughs> forty <laughs> uh, steps. It's like so unbelievably low and heavy. And like at first as a 15 year old, I thought it was a joke, but then you actually realize, oh no, it's fucking amazing. And then every single song they do has a, like a horror movie sample in it. Yeah. Um, that's a big thing in Green Court lately. Yeah. Big Destroyer do that as well. Like so many of the records start with like a section from a horror movie or some kind of twee sort of tongue in cheek gory sort of vocal verbal passage thing um, another one's exhumed pop, exhumed are another yeah gore grind band as well there's i'm gonna i'm gonna stick a label on it because i don't think this actually exists groove grind 
I was thinking groove grind earlier because Soylent Green are very much yeah. towards that. They blast like there's certainly some Pig Destroyer songs as well that are yeah. super very groovy, yeah, chunky yeah. and groovy. Yeah, um, Pantera style large. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah. Like Soylent Green have huge swathes of that deep south Pantera thing, yeah. but then they blast really, really well. Noise grind, uh, full of hell, tend to get kind of lumped into that. Full of hell, uh, as my flatmate always says, full of hell of completed metal. Because <laughs> they are just the most fucking unbelievably intense band. Like, I find them really hard to listen to because they are just fucking a cacophony of noise. Yeah. Well, but noise people, grind. People love that shit. Um, I, that KLS that I'll see tonight as well mm-hmm. are also kind of noise grind. What else do we have? Blackened grind. So, like, early Rotten Christ. Yeah. Oh, rotting, not rotten. Um, Scum Pulse as well. Yeah. Another cracking name for you uh we've got a uh, porno grind porno grind porno possibly the worst of the genres <laughs> <laughs> porno grind which as you can imagine lyrically and aesthetically focuses on grotesque porn i, I one of the leading bands in that genre of course being cock and ball torture cock and ball. <laughs> from germany <laughs> Yeah, and uh, Gut was the only other one that I could find consistently getting decent sort of feedback. That film, Slave to the Grind, Mm -hmm. doesn't feature porno grind because the director, David, somebody, Dave, somebody, he made a comment about it. It kind of fucks him off a little bit because it it detracts in terms of its pure shock value from the actual shock value of gore grind. Yeah. I mean, this all sounds really ridiculous. I know, I love If you're making your dinner while we're talking about this. Um, other names that we haven't mentioned, uh, ones that are contentious, maybe Bolt Thrower. I think a lot of people will probably balk at the idea of them being grindcore, but they are extreme and do occasionally get lumped in with it. Uh, sore Throat are a really good grind band, a bit old school. Uh, Extreme Noise Terror who kind of came up with uh, Napalm Death afterwards Mick Harris joined them and they just wanted to make the most full on music they possibly could and one that is Controversial, and we could do an episode of such interesting stuff about them. Uh, anal cunt, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Scott Hull was in, yeah, lead us on the pig destroyer, uh, yeah. So, Scott Hull from Pig Destroyer was also briefly, very briefly, a member of the band Anal Cunt. Uh, what do you know about Anal Cunt? Uh, they made a lot of records and AC they were all or AXCX a long, long time. And the singer died a few years ago. The drummer died as well. Yeah, the singer died of a suspected heart attack. Mm-hmm. Do you know how the drummer died? No, he fell off an escalator in a mall. 
Okay then. <laughs> that is not the rock and roll death you're waiting for, is That's it? That's like a fucking garden accent. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Cunt started in like 1988 and they, they were going till 2011 when their singer Seth Putnam, who was really kind of their focal point, died. Uh, they were actually not named after a Gigi Allen song called Anal Cunt because the band had already formed when Gigi Allen wrote that song. Uh, they had a total of eight albums, including one called the 5643 EP, which was conceived as anti-music, which it was to contain no riffs, no beats, no discernible lyrics and no real patterns. It is just anti-music. It pretty much says it all. Uh, they also had a record called It Just Gets Worse in 1999, which is when they really rose to prominence, or notoriety is probably the best way to put it. We're talking about Napalm Death getting wheeled out on TV shows as uh, for novelty value. I remember watching the Joe Wiley show, who's this very middle-of-the-road BBC presenter who used to have people like Moby and Huey from the Fun Loving Criminals and people on, and she did a special about Eno Cunt. And the, f- the thing I remember most about it was a video of one of their live shows where a guy in the audience threw a bottle at Seth Putnam. So Seth Putnam picked up the monitor and threw it and hit <laughs> the guy from the stage with the monitor. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole thing about Anal Cunt shows, when they were at their, their their peak, if you will, was that you literally didn't know what was going to happen. Mm. They, would, they would do one, two songs, get in a massive fight. They would do all kinds of really, really off the wall shit. And it was a really kind of like as much performance art as anything else. Yeah, they went out of their way to be as incredibly offensive as possible. Yeah, what we've in noticed, all ways. Yeah, what we've noticed, I mean, David were talking about this earlier on as well, is that they were like the primordial version of trolling. Before we knew what trolling was, anal cunt were trolls. Uh, some of the track titles that I made a note of were, uh, I mean, some of them, to be well, fair, are pretty well done. I went back in time and voted for Hitler. <laughs> uh, Hitler was a sensitive man. Um <laughs> Limp Biscuit think they're black, but they're just gay. <laughs> the word homophobic is gay. That's another track title. They've got loads of things that are such and such as gay. I let your baby on fire. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't realise we were going to do this. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's one I like called just you go to art school. Um, I made your kid get AIDS that's a classic Um, I mean it's it's, oh yeah I mean it's 4chan before there was 4chan exactly that's it they're completely trolling they're not serious they are but they still courted and by trolling in that way I mean the the things about women what was it uh, women nature's punch bag was one of the names of one of the songs I mean there is no fucking way these days you are ever gonna get away with anything trolling or not that that is like that but But they also had that song they well they released an album called picnic of love which is then a parody of themselves (laughs) and it's just like he sings in falsetto it's acoustic guitar and like the the tracks include I respect your feelings as a woman and a human. I love your heart, mind and soul. I never think of anything cheap. I'll read you some of my poems before you sleep. I respect your feelings. 
saving ourselves for our marriage. Uh, my woman, my lover, my friend. Uh, you know, and that was, there was two years either side of that record. They just really, you know, they take the piss the entire time. And yeah, yeah, they were, they, they were out there. Uh, sorry to interrupt I actually did my own grindcore band when I was at university I recorded it in my bedroom when I should have been studying and the only place that those tracks are on is an old hard drive that is corrupted and the only way that you'll ever hear Swarm is if you give me enough money to go and get that corrupted hard drive fixed so that is my plea to you to hear David's bedroom grindcore band if that's not attempting offer I don't know what is the fact he referred to himself as third person yeah exactly even more Uh, also we would appreciate any donations towards microphones cables uh, Christopher's socks yeah they're pretty gubbed Uh, thank you very much to everybody that does donate it's uh, very wonderful shout out to Ryan Taylor by the way who donated this week I've started donating to other podcasts because I know they will survive with just a little bit of cash from everybody that listens so a little bit of cash from everybody that listens to us would be really helpful. It'd be very, very helpful, helpful, yeah. And you can get all our bonus content. And you can get well, all exactly. our bonus content. Exactly, we've got some actually really interesting bonus content every month or so, so yeah. it's fun. Anyway. It's <laughs> a hell of a cash call, this yeah. one. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, back to the Grindcore. Bye. Um, another band that's an offshoot of Pig Destroyer, also via Scott Hull, is Agoraphobic Nosebleed, who I think we've mentioned before briefly. Fantastic band. Yeah, who did a split with Converge at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, they did some of the best albums, like just in terms of length. Uh, yeah, they they released uh, one track on a like a mini CD, uh, which was 20 minutes long and it had 101 tracks yeah. on it. Yeah, that's right. Superb. Uh, that's the album Altered States of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, and uh, they're, they're drum machine grindcore. So in their most well-known form, it was a male and a female vocalist, Scott Hull and guitar and a bassist, and then just backing tracks of these really furious drums. Originally, I mean, the whole thing about them being called agoraphobic nosebleed was because they never intended to play live. It was going to be, the joke was that they couldn't go outside. Yeah. But then they developed a live show in it really yeah, worked as well which people were pretty taken aback with they've got an album from 2009 called uh, A Good Apocalypse which I have to say is really pretty good but it's like but it doesn't do what they used to do you know they used to kind of take metal as extreme as possible and that's what uh their their 2002 magnum opus frozen corpse stuff stuffed with dope <laughs> uh, is genuinely an incredible album because it's like 
they are pushing the limits of everything. Oh, yeah. And it's like nearly unlistenable, but it's just on the edge of it. Because the drums were digitised, they, uh-huh. they could go at beats that were even faster than the blast beats that even the Berserker drummer could yeah. do. So it did get to a ridiculous but extent. Then, then they released that yeah. uh, the thing is, Apocalypse album, which is like actually a good metal album. That's the thing. I find the concept funny in a way, a bit like so much of the grindcore stuff and porno grind and gore grind. And mm-hmm. it. It's funny but it's not massively listenable. Yeah. As you said, it's right in the cusp. And for me, it's not that it's like painful to listen to. I just find it boring. I find it very samey because it's mm. so extreme and fast that it's very hard to hear the distinction. And it takes real skill to produce that. Um, oh yeah. A lot of the time. Absolutely. As an artistic They'll concentrate statement. on, you know, getting a guitar tone or a drum tone or whatever, but overall it's just muddy or messy or, you know. Yeah. So I think the art, the, like the artistic statement of it is valid and really interesting and I'm glad it's there but musically that a, a Gore Apocalypse album is actually really a good middle ground uh, I did think. you know that Scott Hill was actually they were obviously sort of prodding their audience uh, but Modern Drummer uh, put Scott Hill as the top metal drummer in the world <laughs> uh, for his drum programming his drum skills. Programming, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, I mean, genuinely, his drum programming skills are fucking unreal to go along with his guitar skills, which we'll talk about uh, as Pig Destroyer. Yeah, so Pig Destroyer, the band in question, uh, formed in 1997, technically. It's Scott Hill, who we've mentioned J.R. Hayes on vocals. There's originally a drummer called John Evans who I think left almost right after they formed and he was replaced for the most part by a guy called Brian Harvey. No, not the member of East 17. Sadly who, not. Who ate 47 baked potatoes and then ran himself over. Uh, <laughs> who claims, yeah, who, who, whose story was that a baked potato that he'd bought had rolled out of his car underneath the car. He then reached no, under it's it. because he's, he'd eaten so many that he felt heavy and he couldn't, I think we've all heard different versions I heard he was reaching under the car for a baked potato from his shopping and the car reversed over him clearly not a suicide attempt we know that he ran himself over and baked potatoes were involved involved. make up your own ending choose your own adventure (laughs) and as David said it's cop killer or cop destroyer was the original intention but they went for pig destroyer I always thought it was just like a gore thing I didn't even put the police connection there you go That's from, I mean they're from Maryland, Maryland right so very very close to the seat of power yes <laughs> I don't know if they care so I mean I, mean, I, the, I don't know I, I think it kind of plays really into the hardcore thing which obviously was a big thing in DC they're also close know. to where the wire was made I would be much more excited about that yeah uh-huh. but I mean their singer uh, you know J.R. Hayes is definitely starts off political in terms of Pig yeah, Destroyer I mean, and he's, you know, classified himself as a bit of an, anar- an, an anarchist. An, 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 an anarchist. An anarchist. I, th- I think the thing about Pig Destroyer is though that, and we'll get to this, J.R. Hayes' vocal, uh, lyrics are excellent. They are excellent poetry by any standards. If you saw them written devoid of context. Yeah, his, um, his, on, yeah maybe in some amazing, albums more than others, but certainly things like Prowler in the Yard, they are really, really well constructed lyrics. Not at all what you expect to find, especially given that you can't hear a fucking thing because mm-hmm. of the way that he sings them. And that's kind of beautiful in its own way. He's created something so complicated and emotive and and skillful and then almost crumples it all up to do the... You know, it's, it's, there's something perverse but kind of nice about that. An impermanence thing, I don't know. They have six albums in total. Uh, Explosions in Ward 6... Prowler in the Yard from 2001, 
Terrifier, the one we're talking about, 2004, Phantom Limb, 2007, Book Burner, 2012, and Headcage, 2018. There's a whole bunch of EPs and splits, though, in between, including the Natasha EP, which came out in 2008. It was actually like a bonus disc on the album that we're doing. Yeah, it, so it's I It's like always... a 30-minute doom track with like eight minutes of silence at the start or something like that. Yeah, for me, Natasha was like a, a counterpoint to Terrifier because it came as part of yeah, the, the, the CD that the I bought. The bonus version, yeah. the Japanese version, I think it was. Uh, that it must have been, that, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's nothing like their other pro- uh, like products at all. It's no, it's an incredibly heavy, slow, yeah. sludge metal neurosis and yeah. weird, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's really good. <laughs> in terms of their earlier stuff and in terms of collating all their EPs, there's a, there's a collection called 38 Counts of Battery, uh, which was released uh 2000 i think and that's like a that's like a bunch of split eps uh the first demo that got them signed and their debut album then there was a record called painter of dead girls which also came out in 2004 and collates a whole bunch of tracks from like two split eps uh it's also got a cover on it of in the meantime by helmet yeah And I think a Stooges cover as well. It's uh, interesting because I, th- I remember, I think JR, he says that he can't remember any lyrics to a lot of the early songs and he can't decipher them either. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I believe that, totally. <laughs> now, I think something that we'll probably disagree on a little bit, before the show, Mark was kind of new to these guys, obviously, and he, I think, warmed to some of the records in particular. What ones was it you picked? Did you pick out Book Burner? Book Burner, yeah. And Phantom uh, Limb. Phantom, Phantom Limb, yeah, it was uh, my flatmate Craig fucking really likes the the more recent Pig Destroyer stuff because it's more metal and I was speaking to him about it before I left the house to come record this and he was like, I like Pig Destroyer for the reason that you shouldn't really like Pig Destroyer in the sense that they do amazing fucking chugging riffs and I was like, yeah, that's fair so after Terrifier, I listened to Book Burner was the one that was like holy shit man there's a lot of Pantera style groove in here there's a lot more thrash Scotty's clearly fucking loves Slayer because there's so many Slayer riffs across all of their records it's fucking amazing I thought Book Burner was particularly good Phantom Limb is not as good and I really enjoyed Head Cage as well but it doesn't really feel like a as much of a Pig Destroyer record as any of the other ones do yeah I mean for me I'm, I'm kind of out not, I mean, not out. There, is, there are there's some particularly good riffs I mean uh, there's a couple on Book Burner that stand out but in terms of, I, I prefer the grindier early stuff. I mean, the Explosion album is is pretty messy, but it's an it's a first album. It's decent. And obviously, Terrifier because we've chosen it. The, I was in two minds because. The album before that, I hadn't necessarily given Prowler in the Yard anything like the attention it deserved. And when I was doing some research, that was the one that tended to get the votes and the nods from fans and from Greencore fans and from, example, for example, the, the guy that did Slave to the Grind. Prowler in the Yard was a concept Greencore album. Yeah. Which is... I think when it came out, people were like, holy fuck, a band are taking this really seriously. Yeah. Like, technically incredible, but they're also like going beyond sort of the puerile shock value it, of it. Exactly. And 
I mean, you look at the album cover and you're like, oh, <laughs> what the fuck is a woman sawing her own arm off? But uh, is it, no, is it a woman? I can't it, remember. It's a kind of androgynous figure yeah, sawing yeah. its own leg off with other body parts ha- yeah. scattered um, around. But like genuinely that entire record is a piece of work uh, that, you know, goes together and it sounds so sharp and violent uh, that it was a step up for Grindcore, like at that time. Um, Do you want a good bit of trivia? I'd love one. Do you know who that androgynous figure is? Tell me. It's Bobby Steele of the Misfits. Oh, really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Interesting. But yeah, the thing I think the thing is, Grindcore had sort of drifted quite a bit off the radar when this uh, when Prowler came out, and it was a shot in the arm for the genre generally. It was like, wow, the the, the Great White Hope, if you will, use a boxing analogy. Here's this album that's come out that's revitalizing this genre the fact that it wasn't so cheap and sort of throwaway and yeah like kind of puerile the, the lyrics are phenomenally good throughout it really really good yeah and some of the bits i'd, I'd taken out there's a song the track 10 called uh, evacuate in heaven which actually isn't on the remastered version because they'd lost the file for the vocal so they didn't put it on it but if you find the original the lyrics uh certain things fascinate me first i went blind then the sun went out the way you hold a match so steady, how heaven is collapsing under so much joy. That is not what you expect on something that sound, sounds like that. Um, likewise, on Ghost of a Bullet, uh, the fourth track, which is, I, th- I think the entire song is about 20 seconds long, and it includes the lyrics, fingerprints on my eyes like 10 tiny maps to heaven. That's beautiful. For I mean, that's the that's the standard of the lyrics on this album. They, on, the, on their own, are of incredible poetic merit and i think there's something amazingly perverse and likable about the fact that they're then fucked up beyond all recognition in, the, in their delivery there's also the second track in that uh, cheerleader corpses uh is absolutely fucking brutal it, it, it's the first proper track after a kind of spoken word sort of intro thing <laughs> The register of the vocals is a little bit higher than a lot of grindcore. You know, it's a little bit more shaky and it, it crosses over into Converge territory who use a lot of elements of this and some of their stuff as well, the faster stuff. And his range is closer to that of Jacob's. And that for me works. I, I love that. One of the craziest things about that album is that album was recorded on a fucking eight track. You can tell. I don't like a production on that at all. I mean... Okay, man, it's not studio quality, but fucking hell, man. That, that pulls it right down for me, man. That pulls oh, it right God. down for me. I think it sounds fucking brilliant for an 8-track. It's like, it sounds brilliant for an 8-track, but I think that's what... The songs are dead, dead, to the detriment of like, the songs. I love that record. The stuff, and the remaster, anyway. you know, it does improve it a lot. Yeah, but, but I mean, um, the thing as well is... We, it's like a caveat to that record. It's for an 8-track, whereas that I think you've... I think I've chosen correctly in Terrifier because it sounds so unbelievably full. Yeah, I still go with Terrifier as the overall experience, but I think the thing about this is it's so in keeping with the punk origin of Grindcore. One of the early things about Grindcore, and it, it, it has a slightly different tone in general to other music. In Grindcore, the bass early on in a lot of albums was really fucking rough and a lot higher in the mix than other metal. Um, there's a couple of stories about how that was actually an accident that that became the trend to do a scratch track that got blown out instead of an actual, you know, somebody had done like a, a guide track, which they ended up keeping, but it just got blown out in the mix to try and make it work. And it really caught on. So I, 
I think like that rough and ready approach to grindcore, it's not meticulous, it's not overproduced and it came from like the crust punk overlap. Doing an album on a fucking 8-track in your drummer's house is totally in keeping with that and the fact that it's an album that then fucking makes the top three of that year is pretty incredible as achievements go and there's something about that that far from damaging this album as a statement of artistic purity I think really helps it because it's so close to the original sentiments of Grindcore one of the reasons the likes of Headcage not just because of the style of the referee but because of the high high production it's lost that sense of punk that I think this album has in spades because of that 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 approach I just think it's fucking brilliant like I, I really like it and I think it's I think it's a really good record as well apart from the production I don't for me as well it doesn't really hold together as well as the other as, as records that come after it as a collection of songs but I mean your know, mileage may vary I suppose now before we go into Terrifier then because I mean it's that's the only other real rival the other records are fine they're a bit deathier like we said but I think especially Bookburner I thought the mix of the drums in it was way too high for it to work as I really like Phantom Limerick I think it's a great record Yeah, it's furious. It, it's fucking brutal at points, but I don't think it's as good as either of those two. Do you want to drop into the Nexus? I think we should drop into the Nexus and then talk about Terrifier. Yeah, let's just do that right now. It's the Unsung Podcast. Dave Grohl Nexus need to find a way to connect the show to that guy. For playing in the Thanks, Fritz. Cheers, Fritzy boy. Oh, boy. So, uh, so by uh, the new standards, David, this is yours, so you go first. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, yes, I shall go first. So from 2006 onwards, Pig Destroyer uh, had live electronics and keyboards to put up with their uh, ever-expanding progressive sound. Blake Harrison. Uh, their first live keyboardist was uh, Jessica Rylan, who is a... Uh, Sound artist and electronic musician from uh, Boston. She does loads of weird shit with uh, modular synthesizers. She does everything from like folky shit to mad noise. Uh, And she has uh, done a lot of work with Wolf Eyes, the experimental music group who have, I believe, released over... 290 records <laughs> in 20 years. I wish okay. they, really um, wish they hadn't. Yeah, I know. <laughs> now, of course, uh, Wolf Eyes at one point worked with that other seminal uh, American uh, experimental noise group, Smegma. <laughs> <laughs> 
We're all big fans of Smegma here. Heyo. Yep. Smegma did a record with Mertzbo. Do Mertzbo do Smegma? Oh my, this is covering most, each other. It's other's the most shit. unlistenable fucking nexus, though. I mean, these yeah, bands no. are listening to any of these fucking bands. It's just. <laughs> do you have you ever been? I don't know if it's still there, but there's a record store down in Finiston. Volcanic Tongue. Yeah, I went in there, and the only record that I knew was a Mertz record and I was like oh I'm out of my depth here <laughs> when Mertz was the most mainstream record in your record shop <laughs> fucking hell how are you doing that uh, anyway Mertz Nick Hornby for extremists <laughs> <laughs> so Mertz is like an extreme sort of PETA supporter and has had you know who else is Ben Power uh, Ben Power I know and he's released a few animal themed uh, records and his Minazo Volume 1 and Volume 2 records were dedicated to a specific elephant seal that he often visited uh, in, uh, in a, some <laughs> Japanese zoo. Um, now, the, and, and it knows Dave Grohl. <laughs> uh, the elephant seal, as we all know. <laughs> uh, you know, there's two species, the northern elephant seal yeah. and the southern <laughs> elephant seal. I wondered if you were going to remember that. Um can you name me the key predator of the uh, elephant seal? Killer whale. Man. No, it's obviously the great white shark. Killer <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking brutal though, man. <laughs> if, you, if you'd said man, Dave Grohl's a man. Dave Grohl is a man. So I've, I've then gone, famous people who have died of shark attacks. <laughs> Did you know that Kelsey Grammer's brother was eaten by a shark. That's fucking wild. Yeah, I know. Kelsey Grammer also, his other brother died in the same scuba diving accident of like uh, sort of oxygen in the blood or whatever. And then Kelsey Grammer's sister was like brutally murdered. So Kelsey Grammer like has gone through a lot of shit. Has anybody investigated where Kelsey Grammer was? (laughs) (laughs) Has Kelsey Grammer a shark? And then, of course, I mean, I think I've just gone from Kelsey Grammer straight to Dave Grohl because they're both been in The Simpsons. Maybe I don't know. I, 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 this this is. But in, I mean, I just wanted to talk about shame. Kelsey Grammer's because <laughs> as, shark as an attack unfinished brother. Nexus goes, that was almost fucking spectacular. Yeah, um, I feel you limped over the finish line. I there. truly did limp over the finishing line, but uh, I mean, there you go. Ke- yeah, the Kelsey I Grammer bit to is worth about it. That. Yeah, so, Mark. Nice. Okay, so. Um, Big Destroyer's song, The Diplomat, featured in the TV show Workaholics. It was quite uh, quite prominent in the season three finale. Uh, Workaholics is an American TV show. It's okay, um, but one of the creators of it was a guy called Adam Devine, who's a really good comic actor. He's been in a lot of good TV shows, including things like Community, Arrested Development. Um, he's actually one of the highlights of Modern Family, which is not a brilliant TV show, but is eminently watchable, I would say. He's also taking part in the famous series of Comedy Central Roasts, <laughs> which... Uh, they had a Bruce Willis one the other night, which yeah. was punishingly bad. So they do them quite a lot, but there's been a lot of prominent uh, people that have been roasted, including Justin Bieber and David Hasselhoff. Did you watch the Bieber one? No, I don't watch. I Sometimes don't. with the, the roasts, the, the thing is, the people are genuinely detestable people, like Bieber, like Bruce Willis. Donald Trump I, had one as well. I, yeah. Donald Trump. And Charlie Sheen. When you're Did you watch- say Bruce Willis? 
Bruce Willis. Is he an arsehole? Oh, he's fucking awful. Oh, that's a shame. Um, when, when you're watching the roast, the genuine animosity, like yeah. the whole, the whole <laughs> pantomime of like, oh, that was so funny. Yeah. yeah. Except Trump cracked a few times in his one. Oh yeah. yeah. Also, a, a, one, also a person that's been on Comedy Central Roast is of course, Mr. William Shatner. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good one, actually. A classic. I've seen that one, man. Yeah. <laughs> classic man. <laughs> the, the weird one in that one, though, is because it's ex-members of the crew, mm-hmm. uh, uh, of the crew, the cast. It's not actually a real spaceship. Um, the ex-members of the cast, the Star Trek run, is George Takei, you know it? George Takei. And I think it's after they'd had their wedding fallout. Oh. And I think there was like a lot of like gritted teeth going on. I can't remember. I, I just remember there being some awkwardness. So uh, William Shatner has released a few records. It's it one with Henry Rollins. Yeah, um, it's actually it, that record's actually called. It. It's actually called "Has Been" and it's actually co-written with Ben Folds. Yep, <laughs> he produced it as well. Yeah. It's a really good record, man. Um, after that, it's got he, common people on it, and it's fucking brilliant. It's very good. Common. After that, I mean, this is just another weird fact, that's not my connection, but it's another strange thing. After that, he released a record called Exodus and Ontario in three parts, and it's basically like a Jewish record. <laughs> um, it's basically a quote, it contains a 75 member orchestra and a choral group or a choral group of choral, choral group of 350 singers accompanied who accompany him in reading the Bible and his Haggadah. Passages <laughs> utterly bizarre. He's an artist. He's a true artist. That's the what, end of the album features Shatner reading the priestly blessing by the way, an ovation from the audience. Who, who do you think's going to go first, Sean Connery or William Shatner? Uh, oh, Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Okay. Is Shatner still up and about? After that record, 2011, he released a, a David Bowie inspired record called Seeking Major Tom. And who plays guitar on that record? But none other than fucking Zach White. Dave Grohl. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Fucking what what a tease that was. Yeah, but uh Zach Wilde is probably Dave well Zach Wilde kinda It's got, probably Dave Grohl. It probably is Dave Grohl, yeah. He kinda got involved in a feud with the, in uh, magazines in the early two thousands with Dave Grohl because people were accusing uh song One by One has been a rip off of an Ozzy Osbourne song, which is totally bizarre. Really? But uh in later in, in recent years they've played together on stage a bunch, including uh one which is all over YouTube, which is a cover of NIB by um, Sabbath Sabbath with Foo Fighters and Zach Wilde playing guitar righty ho uh, Scott Hull was also an Anal Cunt in 2005 uh, Seth Putnam the vocalist from Anal Cunt did vocals on Pantera's album Great Southern Trendkill oh good record Pantera by the way 1983 album have you seen the cover of Pantera's Metal Magic it's superb <laughs> holy <laughs> shit that is a peach. He Diamond Darrow, not Dimebag Darrow, yeah. it was called yeah. Diamond Darrow. And Darryl. their dad was managing them and yeah. producing the records then as well. Anyway, anyway. Uh, so None Seth, more metal. Seth Putnam, ironic Nazism references to Hitler meets Phil Anselmo, <laughs> straight up legitimate white power fanatic. Phil Anselmo, by the way, when he was 14 years old, burned his parents' house down by accident during a prank. Of course he did. There you go. But Phil Anselmo uh, was videoed shouting white power uh, during a concert. Just and, drank too much white wine. And Seek Helen. And yeah, he, cl- he claimed that it was a joke because he'd been drinking white wine. Uh, which might work if it wasn't for the fact that during the 90s, he went on stage at a number of festivals with a t-shirt that said white power on it. So, don't know, man. Top guy. Yeah, he's the Morrissey of metal. 
But basically, uh, Phil Anselmo, this is weird as fuck. Phil Anselmo co-wrote a show for Adult Swim with a comedian called Dave Hill. Um, the, the show was called Metal Grasshopper. Dave Hill is no, actually known for a number of things. Uh, one of them, by the way, is that Dave Hill wrote the theme tune for the John Oliver show. Oh, oh interesting. Wow. There you go. But Dave Hill is primarily a comedian who also sometimes appears uh, with a band called Bridget Everett and the Tender Moments. I've heard, uh, why have I heard of that name before? Bridget Everett and the Tender Moments is a super group which amongst other people features Adrock from Beastie Boys on bass. Okay. Adrock was in the Beastie Boys, Mike D was also in the Beastie Boys yeah. and Mike D's mum was interviewed for a book called From the Cradle to the Stage alongside the mothers of Dr. Dre, Michael Stipe, Amy Winehouse, Haim, Adam Levine of Maroon 5, obviously. And that book was written by Virginia Hanlon Grohl, the mother of Dave Grohl. Oh, wow. My goodness. I thought you were going to say Mike that D is, good. is written, he was written a book called The Lady's Choice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if that's a joke or not. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lyric in a Mike D and a, and a Beastie Boys song and he's, says, my name is Mike D and I'm a lady's choice. All right. You want to get next to me like Rolls Royce? <laughs> <laughs> hey, here we go. Right, great work everybody. Let's get Fritz back in the go and talk about Terrifier. Right, so Terrifier, 32 minutes long, third album, also recorded in Brian Harvey's house, not the Brian Harvey, <laughs> but the Baby Potatoes, yeah. um, and produced by Scott Hull. Uh, Although I did see on Wikipedia that it's uh, written as Brain Harvey's house. <laughs> <laughs> so. And uh, apparently the process took like almost two years. They didn't go fully professional until very recently, so they were all holding down jobs. You're still holding down a job. Is he still? Yeah, he's, he's still a computer fucking uh, operator for the local government in, in um, Maryland. Yeah. <laughs> I, I read an interview with them from about four or five years ago, and uh, yeah, Scott Hull was just like, "I don't want to get any bigger. <laughs> like, I'm happy with this. I've got a nice balance of you know life and touring. I've got a family that support me going out. You know, this is how it yeah, is." Yeah, they're, they're the kind of band that headlines smaller stages. Like, yeah, they appear. You know, they appear down the bill on a big stage, or they they've headlined a few smaller stages. Yeah, uh, at fairly big festivals. I think if they played in Glasgow, they'd probably you know do a decent size. Yeah, yeah. yeah I wish they would. Yeah, I know. I don't know good. if they've ever played here or not. Not sure. I, would I wasn't into them love to when see it, them when they might have. Are you listening, guys? <laughs> Probably please, not. <laughs> please donate money actually <laughs> um, so yeah I mean uh, we can do it there's so many fucking songs in this album yeah, we don't need it. to do yeah, every yeah. track but I mean what's interesting is I was reading some like reviews not from publishers but like just users on like Metal Sucks Net or whatever and like it's getting 9 out of 10 9 out of 10 10 out of 10 10 out of 10 and then you can obviously see the grindcore purists come out and go, <laughs> yeah, totally. oh, people are liking this. Oh, I'm going to take a big shit all over it then. And they come out and they're like, oh, it's too clear or it's fucking like the vocals are too high and blah, blah, blah. Or it's I, too well produced. I agree. And I prefer this album. And I think the production's brilliant. It just, just the right amount of brilliant. But I would say that is also, as that, as I mentioned with Prowler in the Yard, that's one of the reasons that some people yeah. really like it as well, because it's truer to that kind of... And you understand that people who really, really, really fucking love a genre 
or you know, and are really, really into exactly what grindcore is. An aesthetic. Yeah. And love the sort of muddier sound or whatever and blah yeah. blah blah. And I, I mean, get that. What and I understand that, but also I could never ever be that person because I like other things too much. Totally, but he, and for I, me, I like this album is just like the shining example of what this genre can be. But without without doing it to death, I think everything is converging towards the pristine. Everything, like every genre, no matter how dirty it started out, whether it's punk, whether it's grindcore, yeah. whether it's metal, whether it's black metal, they're all converging towards this pristine trend in production and I can kind of see how that gets fucking boring it's yeah, like yeah, everybody's got these pristine kick drums with a sample under it thanks to which the is, software which is, inter- which is why I you know prefer my black metal old and crusty to you know well these the guys new. are just the grindcore equivalent yeah, exactly. of Weaver yeah hmm. well there you are the less evil right wing version <laughs> of you I think it's interesting because a lot of musicians right no matter how true you are to the, the original aesthetic of something still wants the recorded output to sound Better, right? I mean, better's totally subjective. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think like, that's a problem. Anything, like, but... clearer mm. isn't always better. Yeah, there's a lot of bands who have lost all their charm because their records became just yeah. way too sparkling and immaculate. And mm. I, I think, but I think you know, we've talked about the sort of Goldilocks um, moment for a band, and I think for Pig Destroyer, to me, it's this. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Maybe we are the guys that enjoy grindcore, but we're not grindcore enthusiasts. Yeah, also, so this is like the perfect record for us. We're just a little bit too old to grow, uh, a little bit too, sorry, I've not said this very often. We're just a little bit too young to have <laughs> first gotten into this music on vinyl. Yeah. We got into this music on CD yeah. and clarity was second nature yeah. in, that, in that sense. And I think the people who grew up on grindcore as grindcore, the first five, six years of it, before this kind of music was even getting pressed on the CD, really. Yeah. I can understand the nostalgia for that. You know, it's it's part of the sound, you know, yeah. so you can, it's not just like it's a an inconvenience, like it might be with pop music or dance music, it's it's part of the sound. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I mean, like, if you're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, just put on Pretty in Casts, the first yeah. proper track, second track, first proper track, because the tones, the fucking impact of that song... The, the overall roundedness of that as a pig destroyer track and featuring and showcasing all the different facets of this band what a yeah. fucking tune that is yeah the riff at 40 seconds is a melt a face melter and then <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of that yeah. the riff at 8 seconds the riff yeah. at I've, 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 then, <laughs> then the slow one at 9 seconds I've actually got a thing I've actually got in my notes somewhere is uh, uh, I'm getting a bit bored of saying every, every riff is a beezer but it's true <laughs> yeah totally most of them are yeah <laughs> This one does have a little hint of their metal side. It's got it's a lot of the, shuffle, that the, Slayer shuffle. There's a bit of Slayer shuffle mm-hmm. and there's a bit of this pinched harmonic thing as well, which is anathema to some green bands, let's, yeah. let's be honest. But I mean, if you've if you've not heard Grindcore or if you've not heard Pig Destroy and then you hear this, you're just like, fuck, it's so fast. It's so, I mean, we should talk about like each part of this band and, you know, the musicians on this record yeah. who make it because... You know, Scott Hull is like an incredible guitarist. He's just 
there's so many riffs on this record. He's versatile as well. I think that's like yeah. really interesting. Like we've spoken about him in a bunch of bands, and even though they're all heavy, he does different things. In yeah, them. he's doing and chugs. He, and he does he does more bands other than just this yeah. as well. Uh, he effortlessly switches between a Spider Slayer riff and like a really dirty groove and like really open death tones a bit. It's like yeah. literally on a dime. Do you know what I mean? And it's is it Bag. takes. And I don't want to dime back, yeah. Um, and it takes a lot of skill as a player to, to be able to do that, like, so efficiently. A great showcase of the combined fury of this band, I think maybe at its peak, uh, are the last 20 seconds of the fifth track, Thumbsucker. It's, it's some of the, the heaviest music I've ever heard at the end of that track. Yeah, and the cattle at the end is the, yeah. And also time. the ride cymbal. And, <laughs> you know, the drummer, Brian Harvey, on this record, like holds it together, but he's pushing it so, so hard. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the band are. And we haven't even talked about the vocals, the sound of them, so extreme, but then the lyrics are, you know, really yeah. fucking deep I, and dark I, and I will weird. say though lyrically this album isn't as good as Prowler it, it, yeah. it doesn't make a fucking bit of difference because you can't hear any of it but but it's l- nice knowing they're there yeah I mean it's still decent it's still way above average for a metal album but it's not got the the really twisted poetry but in fairness Prowler was a concept record about a guy being obsessed with a woman called Jennifer there's more of a narrative to it this one is just a little bit shallower but yeah, it's well. It's a little bit more. He's sort of leaving it up to to us to make what the story is because the Natasha track that came along with this, yeah, is, she's the terrifier. Yeah, she is the terrifier, and it's sort of there is a concept here, but it's a lot less. Well, you know, there was a there was prose that came in with the came with the record as well. So there is actually a story behind that. Apparently, I've not read that obviously, but well, I just lyric for lyric, uh, like I didn't find this quite as impressive. But that said, it, it was still good. But like for instance, on like crawl of time, I can feel the glacial crawl of time like a dull razor carving up my face. I can feel the last hate drops of youth lingering inside. I write another love letter to another heartless girl. Oh, I hate that mixed <laughs> metaphor, and I hate the fucking the incel quality of that. I write another love letter to another. And that's what girl. an in, an interesting part of this was. It's really, and I suppose that's something we haven't talked about at all, is like grindcore and grindcore's relationship with women. You know, a lot of these records deal with violence against women, but it's from a very storied, weird um, perspective, you know, as a a plot. Yeah, I mean, some Um, some of it's just dumb as shit. At least least with Prowler, whilst it is dealing with the notion of violence against women, it's from the perspective of this guy represents many guys who have unhealthy obsessions with women and treat them like objects or have a sense of entitlement. So Prowler, I think the narrative accomplishment is more successful because when you zoom out, the violence is in the context of how wrong this is and shining a light on how wrong male attitudes towards women mm-hmm. as possessions are yeah. anyway. Um, whereas I think in this, that doesn't, that's not as apparent. So I mean, Although, I mean, I think some of the lyrics in this record you don't know what the perspective is. You don't know if he's talking as the guy or the girl and it, no, it's, it, totally, it totally changes depending on where it's coming from. I suppose, but going back to the music. Yeah, I mean, Grave Dancer is a standout for me. It's a bit yeah. more rock and roll in the riff, but it's a really, really good tune. Yeah. 
That's yeah. a mass. That 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 fucking guitar tone is Slayer. It's eighty. It's Slayer. Slayer covered in nails. Yeah, you know, and it's got a proper hardcore breakdown. That's that's a three minute song. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know but it's like a total, a total epic for them. Um, I think uh, one of my favourites on it is the song Lost Cause, which comes right after that as well. Yeah, and that is furious. The more way, thrash, man. More it's thrash. So oh, intense. Mm-hmm. The blast beats on that are fucking brutal. Like, like really, really, really full on. Oh, yeah. Uh, even Sour Heart's really great. Yeah, it's got sugar like, chug at the end. Um, absolute chug at the end. Yeah, yeah I'm drinking the sugar like, for that one as well. Yeah. Um, I did, I mean, you were talking about long songs, uh, track nine, Tower in Flesh. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's like 3.35, which is a fucking... Yeah, and it's got the focus. breakdown. It's like the first break in the it record. It is, yeah, it has. It's got good. this sort of clean guitar. Even though it's like, like a screamo, it's like a screamo. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. that that mm-hmm. that segue that it's got in it is like it's a bit more hardcore screamo vibe to it with, that, yeah. with the way the vocals go. Like but then it all kicks off, goes fucking mental, and he shreds a solo out, <laughs> and you're <laughs> like, yeah. oh yeah, it's like the first riff in that song. Like uh, this, this is probably my favorite song on the record because that the first riff in that song is proper. It's like a, in fact, a few of the riffs are like sweet picking and chug at the same time almost. It's just so impressive, like yeah. technically, it's yeah, like yeah. wow. I think um, in terms of like ear catching initial riffs, uh, Verminis, the eleventh track, mm-hmm. the, the intro riff to that is terrific. Carrion Fairy as well. Uh, yeah, it's another. It's fuck it. It's the most deathy. I thought that one. Um, but I mean, Verminis has also got some really nice vocal breaks in it. Um, the vocals in that one are quite prominent and it's got a, a couple of really great dirgy guitar passages in it. Yeah, it's um, got a screamo vibe in the vocal again yeah. um, and it has a fucking beat down. A fucking beat down at the end. <laughs> See, that's something about Pig Destroyer that I think puts them just a little bit ahead of some of their peers in that they vary the vocal delivery and it, it saves everything sounding so f- like because bands like Nozum and stuff, it's 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 pretty tough going after a while. Yeah, that's it. Like they'll have some amazing riffs and they'll have some really cool tracks, but then you listen to more than seven songs and you're like, it's yeah. very similar. Yeah, I mean. I mean, for Pig Destroyer, I mean, this and Prowler, that's me say I don't need more albums than this. Mm. You know, there's so much in that. I'm not sure there's much more to be done. I'd go to another band rather than have multiple, multiple, multiple albums by the same. It's just, I, well, it's just me. I disagree in that. I think that they've, they're exploring enough sonic range that they're not going over the same thing again and again. And that's what I like about the three records after this. Well, they're definitely Which trying to find some new territory. Yeah, they're now. finding new territory yeah. and... And it's really interesting. It might not be quite as interesting as this, but it's still 
at least it's not the same. Yeah. The next level after this is probably something like Weekend Nachos or Full of Hell. Like they're the next level of grind, like yeah. taking it to the next conceivable level, which is more noisy. Yeah. Yeah, or like, fuck the facts as well. Um, like newer stuff. Uh, other other highlights on it. Downpour Girl, which has quite a slow, sizable riff on uh, it. That has the best beat down on the fucking record. <laughs> in fact, it's probably the best beat down they've got in their entire catalogue. Uh, yeah, it's got some class blasts in it as well, yeah. that one. Uh, Soft Assassin is one that I really like. It's really unrelenting, though, Yeah, uh, with this like really contemporary vocal approach. A double bass kick on that at the start for the first half of the song is unbelievable, man. Like, how is how is Legs going to do that for so long? Crippled Horses, the 18th, 18th track. Um, <laughs> 18th song. Fantastic riff. It's kind of actually slightly jaunty for, for Pig Destroyer. It's death that metal. It's, and it's Scandinavian got, death metal, man. It's, it's got a Mastodon ending as well. Mm-hmm. You'll listen to that last, like, was it 30 seconds of that tune? It could yeah. easily be a Mastodon riff. Um, and I, I mean, one that I had to mention, because I started texting Mark about it last night, because I had it on my headphones, and only on headphones do you realise how fucking enormous the riff is at the end of the title track, Terrifier. Yeah. It's the last proper track on the original edition. It's It's got a lot more noise cool to it. It's a lot more dissonant, Terrifier. It shows influences from some much more angular 90s stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's really clever a very considered song um, with stuff with, with elements from everything converge through to Jesus Lizard and the way mm. that the, the, the dissonance is arranged right, it sounds um, so evil oh my god <laughs> it's the fucking fi- unreal oh the final riff on that man yeah. is so fucking huge yeah It's absolutely fucking massive. And yeah. they recorded this at the house of a guy who died trying to get a big potato out from it. I'm at, <laughs> I'm Sorry, I'm Wait, getting my stories confused. That's the next metaphor. <laughs> I bet you also need, also, it's also worth mentioning like the groove, the big groovy riff before that. Yeah, it yeah I mean, it's so, also amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. I mean, it's a fucking great record. I think it's their best record, but I do recognise the reasons that other people prefer Prowler. Yeah. And I'm sympathetic to that. But I think because... First of all, this is the first one I get into him. We've spoken about the kind uh-huh. of bias that gives you. But also because I grew up in an era where clarity was slightly more to the fore, I think I'm just inherently biased towards this one. It's a fucking great record for the style of it. It is really extreme. And if you just want to impress somebody in terms of your taste for fucking mad shit, then, then stick it on. Um, I mean, it's a definite yes for me. I love this record. I like this record a lot. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's really hard to pick a record in their catalogue which is as which is as consistent as this they've got some great albums don't get me wrong they've, got, they've probably got yeah, some great moments yep they've probably got songs individual songs on Book Burn and Phantom Lynn which are better than some of the songs on this but this entire collection holds together so well and I think uh, it's paced very well and I know it's really weird to say that about a grindcore record which is just 32 minutes of like complete chaos yeah 
but there's, but there's slow like, bits where there has to be. Yeah. Mm, and I like that about it. Plus that intro's fucking terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty nasty. Yeah. It's one of their better samples. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, but for, it's a yes for me. Oh, good. And it's obviously a yes for me. I think like the best sort of aggressive music, like, you know, Dillinger Converge in their peak, it's incredibly technically adept, but it also sounds like they're playing right at the edge of their technical ability and that it could fall apart at any moment. And that's the energy that nails it for me. Funny you should say that, by the way, because there's an anal cunt song called Dillinger Escape Plan or Gay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, mad, weird genre, amazing band, and this is their best record. Yeah, and even so. if you fucking hate this music, please just enjoy the the voyage of discovery. It's just, it's, you know, consider it a nature documentary. <laughs> You're yeah, studying exactly. some other But I mean, if species. you ever occasionally like Slayer, then just think of this as Slayer, but so much more. Um, we've got something a little bit special next week, finally. We are doing an interview with the man whose name we've dropped at least twice in this episode alone, uh, Ben Power, uh, Benjamin Power of Fuck Buttons and Blank Mass. It's going to be a couple episodes within a week. We're going to give you a Friday, Tuesday double dunt on the main bulk of the interview and then we'll follow up the following week with an episode where Ben's nominated a few records, much like we did with Jonah Matranga. Um, and he's brought a few to the table and they're really good choices, really interesting choices. Interview went really well. I was absent. Mark was away. So we had to ridicule him somewhat in his, <laughs> in his absence. In my sick bed. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we, we hope you'll tune in for that one. Um, it's going to be Friday and then the second part of that on Tuesday and then the mixtape the following Friday again. Um, and after that, we'll go back to... Regularly scheduled programming. Yeah. Excellent. Well, go and, go and listen and go and vote. We'll figure out this voting fucking problem later on. But yeah, just go and vote. If you can't vote on a Facebook page, which might be a possibility at this point, just go to the link on the website and you can vote there. And if you find that option too cumbersome, do let us know and we'll try and figure out another way of doing it. Yeah, and tag somebody into this, me- this episode that you know likes extreme music. Can you also just... Uh, Whoever's editing this, just pop You Suffer by Napalm Death and again. One more time. Keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> just here. And that was it. Great, thank you. You're welcome. Goodbye. <laughs>